ACAST.net Podcast Network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Lend an ear to your critic, oh, one of us listeners. Yes, you that is listening, oh, I don't know why I'm here. This show is a prequel. I do not affect the plot. And thus began the ballad of four critics brought together in the most unique of ways, so unique that even the very thought of thinking about it is the most unique thing that just blows your mind. Poo, so unique. First, there was Neil Blowhard. Greetings. Jenna of the Fangirls. <laughs> Heidiest of highs and neighbors. Matt, known as Brother Obstinate. The tallest of dwarves, that's my fantasy type. Led by Mindy the Snark, brought together by the fact that they all signed up for the same review. They would spend 30-ish minutes of their lives bringing forth to the world their review of the latest installment in the Witcher live-action series. So, critics, I say to you, roll for initiative! Yes, hello everyone, this is Mindy, and today we are reviewing The Witcher Blood Origin. Wait, wait, this is the origin story? This tells the origin of The Witcher? Oh, it's that's a prequel what I watched? series, yes. It's the origin... Okay. Yeah, I know. Is crazy. it the origin story of one of the cool characters, like Vesemir, or Geralt, no. or Jasker? No, not even Dandelion. Based on the stories written by... And I'm going to butcher his Polish name, Andrzej Sapkowski. That's close enough. <laughs> so before we get into what I know are going to be a bunch of rants, does anyone want to give a synopsis of this piece? I'm not sure I can. My memory <laughs> of this series is already like the noise from Saving Private Ryan when a shell hits close to them and they just hear tinnitus for a minute. Oh, no. Like, that's all I get when I try to... I think there was a, there was a guy and he did some stuff. <laughs> and there was a lady. She did some stuff. I guess the way I would synopsize it is this is a noble attempt to tell the backstory of not any of the interesting characters from The Witcher that we might want to know more about or any of the history. The Witcher is kind of loosely adapted from Witcher 2 and 3 and some of the surrounding novels. And it's not the story of the immediately preceding history, any of the adult characters we join in Media Res and The Witcher. It is the history of the Witcher-making process itself, which someone decided we secretly all want to know more. And also how people came into the world of elves at some point. Yeah. 
I guess the Earth of the Witcher is actually originally the Elven homeworld. Yes. And people arrived en masse in a colossal cataclysm. And being people took over like zebra mussels in a freshwater lake by the time of the actual Witcher. But they don't get into that in the story yet. This just sounds like a medieval version of the replacement theory. And it just bothers me every time. I would say the Reverians or whatever they actually are, they colonize the place left and right. So I play the video game. I guess I'll just start there. And so when I first heard about this series, I was excited. I was also excited about one of the actors, Francesca Mills. She was in Harlots. Yeah, she played the assassin dwarf named Meldoff. Yes, Meldoff, which was the, to me, redeeming character of this series. She's the Princess Leia of the piece and that yes. everyone takes her lightly, but she's the only one that hits everything she shoots at. Exactly. Oh, wow. That's actually really great of a comparison because <laughs> it is. <laughs> and I love the backstory with her and her, what was it, Grace? Gwen. Gwen. Yes, Gwen. Ooh, sorry. Now I'm scared that they're going to attack me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess for me, the series I wish would have connected the game lore the netflix series and then just i guess whatever this was trying to do i wish it had connected it better i don't know what the showrunners or netflix wanted us to really take from the series because i heard you explain what this series was supposed to be but i still don't know what's going on and that was kind of my experience watching this i don't know mindy do you well I didn't think that it needed to connect to it more Mm -hmm. and that it needed to connect to it less. Because in the central part of this story, like I said, it's a prequel. It's something that happens 1,200 years ago. So you don't need to connect it to Geralt. But they have this framing device where you has Jaxer or Dandelion, as I will always call him, in the middle of this battle, and then you have Minnie Driver as Dollar Store Galadriel <laughs> saying, you have to tell the story of the birth of the witchers and how that came about. And the thing that got me was that it sets it up. Jaxir even says, you know, this story has been told before. And she's like, what? You mean this story has been told before? And goes into this explanation. And then when you watch it, you're like, yeah, this has been told before many times, actually. I meant it when I said roll for initiative. This is a stereotypical D&D campaign. That is what this show is. So the fact that they were trying to then shoehorn it into, hey, remember, this is part of the Witcher series, which you didn't need to do, detracted from it a lot. And I've actually found Minnie Driver really off-putting in regards to watching the storyline. She took me out every single time she talked. If there's one thing this piece is guilty of, it's wasting a lot of actual talent. Right. Because the individual people in it are great and actually they are interesting characters and you want to like follow them back and you're like well why didn't you put the things we're being told not shown about these people on the screen instead of this rehash of episode two you know because that is the actual plot that we sort of left out like being blasé is it's about like an interregnum that happens in the elven country and the upheaval that results in the course of like trying to keep and or seize power, they cause the cataclysm that imports the humans. Yeah, and that's the thing, you, you know, you brushed on it. The heroes 
are interesting characters. Their interactions are the thing that I enjoyed watching about this. Meanwhile, you go to the villain side, I didn't give a shit about anything that was happening with the geopolitical stuff of the world because you don't get any information about how it affects the world. Like, it focuses on this princess empress person, and she's there like, I need to see what's going on. Meanwhile, we haven't seen what's going on, so none of it really matters. All this stuff, all this backstabbing and political meandering and chess pieces... You don't care because you don't know how it affects the grand scheme of things. I liked your D&D analogy because it is actually a specific type of D&D game, which is the D&D game where you told everybody to make level six characters and they show up with a whole fanfic written. Yes, definitely. Like there's a guy named Brother Death and it's like nobody ever goes like, so like are you from like the Connecticut Deaths? <laughs> the guy's name's Brother Death. You want to know like, well, did he kill 700 people one day or something? Like what? And the person who should be, but isn't quite the main character because of reasons, the Lark is a really competently acted and well thought out character who then kind of gets just like pulled apart by like how many people there are in this in the effort to give all of them sort of equal time and not pick a protagonist. And there's also um, Fial, I think is his name, uh, sort of an elf himbo in this that is just there to like literally get main character syndrome because he's the guy that ultimately draws the short straw and does the thing at the end. I think y'all are being too nice. <laughs> There's no characters in this because they don't give them any real depth. Okay, I'll start with the positive. They don't steal from one action or fantasy movie. They steal from all of them. We've seen these characters, these archetypes, these stories everywhere else. I liked Meldoff. They cut so much of her story out that could have been there. This supposedly was six episodes first, and they chopped it down to four. I think they're trying to squeeze blood from the Witcher Stone because they really don't care about the storytelling. They don't care about the lore. They've done their own twists and turns on it. They wasted Michelle Yeoh in this, which any fans of hers knew she could do more than just be the action martial artist and everything everywhere all at once proved it to a larger audience. And then they didn't do anything with her other than be a martial art figure. Almost everyone in this wants revenge for something except Brother Death. He's just got the cool name because he likes killing. But everyone else is out for revenge on somebody. He was an oddly happy fella. Yeah. We have two sort of villains who we don't get much build up on. I don't fall into the bandwagon of just calling things token or woke, but we have a deaf character who does nothing but establish she's deaf. One of our two main villains literally says, you're the most important person in the world to me, before he sacrifices her for magic. He tells us literally she's super important to him. She's not shown it. She's not given anything to do. And then she's gone. We have a gay couple, which includes a huge main character for the later storyline who's not given anything to do and then he's shoved into a portal to another world he's whisked away we're introduced to Avalok who will be an important character in Witcher he's given nothing they rehash a scene from season 1 to cram him in at the end mm -hmm. which feels lazy they used Yaskir and Avalok that stolen scene of up oh, up oh, season 3 of Witcher you're going to see this stuff again probably Oof. If you get too nitpicky with lore in The Witcher, the elves were supposed to be sophisticated and evolved, and when the conjunction of the spheres brings monsters and humans, 
They take pity on the humans and teach them magic, and then the humans turn on them. In this series, the elves have figured out all the bad shit to do. The debauchery, the backstabbing. They taught humans how to do all that shit, it seems. These elves were not evolved. We have one dwarf and a cast full of elves, and your only reminder that they're elves is sometimes you see pointy ears. Yes. The Lark is probably the closest elven character, if you think of any stereotypes, because she's very talented. Her songs have inspiration that you don't quite get. There's something magical to it, but they won't really delve into that that much. I think the two episodes they asked probably gave us some more. Our two main characters have this nice working relationship, but by episode four, they're deeply in love. When did that happen? On the road, which we didn't see, and it's been a couple of days, but they're supposed to deeply care for each other. By the end, I don't get that because they don't show us any of that. They go from zero to starstruck love in no time without giving us any morsels or breadcrumbs or connecting the dots. That was the one thing that is like, I really wish, well, one of the things I really wish they hadn't done, which is you had the two characters who hated each other at the beginning and then they were kind of forced into having a romantic relationship. It's like, why couldn't they just be friends? Be like, we're warrior pals. They did everything but have the fight that ends in kissing. Yes, absolutely. So like we wrestle and then we kiss. And there's a certain laziness to the writing. Like you said, there's nothing unique about this in Trey society. It is like on paper, looking at it, they're having trouble feeding people and they're like a clear pyramid-shaped feudal kingdom. And they have standard class and political problems. And you're like, well, like, yeah, like I'd pick the emperor from the Witcher in this situation. Like he's clearly maintaining order better. And <laughs> like, well, there's a know. thing too. It's like the way that it's set up is that the emperor is about to create like world peace. And then all of a sudden his sister's like, nope, fuck that bullshit and destroys everything. You're like, wait, what? What, why? Oh, yeah, that's true, too. I meant the human emperor in the quote-unquote oh, okay. modern Witcher timeline. The Nilfgaardian emperor that we met, or see of in season two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing to recommend their society for survival. You know, they're not you know depicted as being noble or enlightened in any way. They just have magic the way, like, a conquistadors had guns. Like, the moral storytelling is a fail here because you're like, I mean, yeah, why should this woman win? Why, she's not a good person. This is a terrible... It was very muddy. There's a lot of plot threads. Michelle Yeoh's story is another story. She just could have been the main character, you know? And they just didn't juggle the points of view here where everybody got enough service. This is a rare thing that I think could have been an episode or two longer. Yes. So that everybody in the five-man band could have got an episode. It's one of those things where it's like a little too bland to really knock it hard. But it's sort of just a waste of time unless you're super starved for this genre. That kind of sounds like a final thought. Did you want to add anything before giving it your score? I'll just count that as my final thought, and I'll give it three out of ten creatures that were clearly ripped off from Elden Ring. <laughs> this is why I'll die on the hill of, as someone who enjoyed the game and the role-playing books and the lore, had they tried to not reinvent the wheel and really create a multi-series where you are able to truly explore the world of The Witcher, we wouldn't be having all of these critiques that we have on this review today. Because the game, when you play it, has countless side characters, but they don't feel like side characters. The game does a really great job of just building this expansive experience 
And with this origin story, I didn't know what it was origin of. Like, I do, but I don't. I just feel like it was completely disconnected and they were just trying to capitalize off of the name. And they're like, hey, here are these characters. Here's a story. And we're just going to capitalize off of it. That's exactly how it felt. It kind of sucks, especially with the news of Henry Cavill. Even though he was pulling a Keanu Reeves with the same face and acting choices for every emotional beat, I still enjoyed him. <laughs> and I wish that people would take this series seriously because it's one of my favorite lores. This is where I enjoy me nerding out is The Witcher. But I feel like they're not understanding how it can stand out from all of the genres of white people with problems in Nordic times. Which is the genre I like to call this. So, <laughs> you know, and I love white people with problems. <laughs> like, you guys brought up all these other properties that we've been exposed to before, time and time again, even, you know, including Game of Thrones. So, when you come out with a show with this type of same theatrical feel and themes and blah, 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 you really have to make sure it stands out. So, to me, it's just, I don't know what Netflix is doing, but. It is another miss for me. So I will give this 5 out of 10 times. I was shipping Gwen and Thor's hammer into like a love story. Like nice. They go with the Guardians of the Galaxy across the universe. That would be great. It would be. It would, right? Right? The stuff with Glenn and that Gwen, and we didn't get it all immediately. It was sprinkled in, and the payoff of the story is the only thing I think that feels fulfilling is a strong word, but not hollow. These characters are hollow to me. And I've played all the Witcher games, and Witcher 3 is one of the two best gaming experiences I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Every element of that game. I played all the side quests like you. And yes, because the farmer that you're taking a contract from, they would just put a little humanity in them of something. That's it. They didn't have to spend an hour with the character. We spent four hours with some of these characters, and you don't know fuck all about them. The Lark gets close, but our two villains, one is dealt with, and the other one, a building falls on him. So anticlimactic in the event that created this universe we know as The Witcher that they kind of dismiss with some special effects in about three minutes. Ugh, this was so disappointing. And the sheer fact that we are recording it later, I just got madder each day with the series, not the delay of just, and then... And then, and then, that they've had this series. Season one was amazing. I don't hate season two. I wouldn't say it's as good as one. But then we had the animated prequel. Now we have this live-action prequel. And Cavill's leaving. And then they're still going to try to wring blood out of the Witcher Stone by just recasting and moving on. Uh, so, um, I'm gonna, okay, I'll stop there. <laughs> two out of ten collapsing monoliths. <laughs> I didn't hate the show as much as all the rest of you, but I absolutely understand why you would. Because this show is made of tropes. It is not at all original. Like I said, it is a D&D campaign, which is great when you're playing it, not necessarily when you're watching it, because you have to know a lot of backstory going in. This does not do that. It kind of assumes that you know the backstory and can fill in the blanks. And if you can't, the plot is not really going to make any sense. I didn't know it was going to be originally a six episode. Yes, absolutely. This thing needed to be longer because there were too many characters. There was too much going on in regards to 
the world building that just was lost. And so you're just watching it. It's like, who are you? Why should I care about your plot? Like I said, the villains I didn't care about at all, even though there was so much going on in regards to political play and backstabbing. And you'd think that that would be more interesting than the heroes getting to their final destination and killing the boss battle. Like I said, if you're okay with nothing but trope, then you'll be fine. But, you know, this is nothing to write home about. It's an incredibly generic fantasy. It is the middle of the road. So I'm going to give it 2.5 out of 5. That is absolute mid. Shooting stars that apparently have a very poignant and significant meaning, but fuck all if we have any clue what it is. Why did they even need a witcher? What did he do that just like two large men couldn't do? He just rolled a 20. Anybody could have done that. Like, 